We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on the SALT Radio Network. I'm Neil Bradley, my co-host as usual, Joe Quinn. Hi there. We're joined again this week by the lovely Bahar Azizi. Hello, everyone. Editor at DutchSOT.net. We've also got with us this week two editors, two SOT editors and co-hosts of our health and wellness show, Doug and Tiffany. Are you there, guys? Hello. I'm here. Hi, guys. There they are. They are hosts of the Excellent Health and Wellness Show, which is now on Fridays. No, they move it to Sundays? No. Every Friday. No. Did I get the right Fridays. guys? You no, did, Friday. yeah. Fridays, Fridays at, at 10 a.m. Eastern. U.S. Eastern Time. Well, we decided to have them on with us this week because we're doing something a little different. Usually we go behind the headlines. We're now going to go behind some of the work and the reasons why we go behind the headlines like we do yeah. and how we stay sane doing it. Right. Because you get a lot of people asking us, why, why, what do we do about it? And Right. The point isn't just political commentary, basically. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Well, what kicked off this idea, it's been on our minds, actually, to delve a little deeper and to share some of our experiences um, that led us to be doing this kind of work that we do in connecting the, the dots of the bigger picture. And uh, somebody contacted us recently with an idea for a show. I'm going to read out to you what this person said. So here we go. Hello, I have a suggestion about a show that may help those who find themselves isolated and disconnected from others. I think it's natural to feel depressed and lonely if you're in the beginnings of understanding how the world operates, while others around you do not seem to align with that understanding. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel depressed. Reading articles on SOT and listening to you all on the Health and Wellness Show, on the Truth Perspective and Behind the Headlines shows, every weekend this gives me something I can relate to and connect with. I want to thank you for giving that to me. I feel in debt to your efforts in a way. I'm curious, though, if I'm not the only one. I graduated with honors from a university and then went on to medical school, but I withdrew after learning how hopeless it seemed. I may have made a mistake. I've been trying to piece together a purpose for myself ever since and I keep coming up empty. I would love to hear your thoughts about inspiration, purpose, willpower, and how diet and lifestyle may connect to it. What is inspiration? How is it connected to levels of dopamine? Iodine? What about endocrine function? Parasympathetic tone? Is it possible that if we apply information, then we will become more inspired and creative? 
Now, our listeners connecting topics there that we have researched and covered on our forum and, of course, in articles on SOT. Mm-hmm. Um, we just didn't just pluck them out of the blue. But, and, of course, they've also been covered in some depth by Doug and Tiff and their co-hosts on the Health and Wellness Show. But I guess what he's looking for is an, a synthesis of why the importance of health marries with the importance of coming to terms with the world as it really is and yeah. dispelling illusions about it. Mm-hmm. And dealing with And being able to cope with it. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, though, that uh, since that is the topic of our show and one of the questions asked by uh, our listener that, that uh, Neil just read out the email from, um, he, he said he wonders if he's not the only one who's feeling disconnected, isolated, you know, a bit depressed and et cetera, uh, about the state of the world, et cetera. So um, anybody listening to the show, uh, don't be shy and, you know, you can call in on Skype Give us a call in on Skype uh, from the. If you click on the Skype icon on the Blog Talk Radio page, you'll get connected, and you can tell us if you share similar uh, feelings or uh, perspective on, on the world, on the state of the world at this at this point in time, and what, if anything, you're doing about it, or if you're uh, completely hopeless and don't know what to do about it, then maybe you can uh, share that as well, and <laughs> we can help you in some way or other. Um, so don't be don't be afraid or don't be shy uh, to call in and share how you're feeling because you know sharing is caring and uh, a burden shared is whatever that phrase is good. <laughs> I think it's a blessed <laughs> burden. You call <laughs> and fill your pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, just to give an example, I suppose when people people are feeling as we're describing. We know this feeling, of course. Uh, I don't think there's anybody here, and probably most people listening, who uh, who, who would say that they don't empathize or, or that they have never felt that way. I'm sure a lot of people listening have feel that way uh, quite a lot. Um, but, you know, the reasons for why people feel depressed, let's, let's start, start with feeling depressed about the state of the world. Uh, it's not hard to do. Uh, not hard to feel that way, obviously. Um, <clears throat> I was reading uh, a story just from a few days ago about uh, this um, perpetual, at this point, uh, refugee crisis in Europe over from uh, Syria and other places across trying, people trying to get to, to Greece. And there was a story about how a boatload of people, maybe 40 people or something, died, including children, drowned. And there were mm-hmm. uh, rescue workers uh, in boats within, you know, a short distance from these refugees. But the problem was that the these were Greek ref, Greek uh, rescue uh, workers, and the boat of refugees was happened to be in interna- in, in uh, Turkish waters, or maybe they were in international waters. I'm not sure, but basically the idea was. That these Greek rescue workers in the boat sat there and watched all these people drown hmm. uh, from a, from just a few meters, a few yards away, really, uh, and apparently could do nothing 
because of some invisible border in the ocean, mm-hmm. an invisible line in the ocean. And to make matters worse, I mean, the, the story was really pretty heartbreaking and horrible and, and speaks to this idea of people being depressed about the state of the world it was that one of the women who was drowning apparently realized why they couldn't, couldn't come any closer. So he tried to throw her baby over the invisible line. Uh, of course, you know, she couldn't throw her baby far enough and everybody drowned. Mm-hmm. And these guys just sat there and watched it all happen from literally, you know, stone throw away. So, uh, yeah, throwing babies over over invisible lines, you know, that, that's a, mm-hmm. I don't know, that, that's one example of many that uh, can be um, could be cited uh, that speak to or, or certainly justify what people today uh, can be certainly excused for feeling depressed or uh, hopeless about the state of the world. And, of course, uh, if you're one of the only ones who, who who notices these things doesn't just gloss over them and and, and click on the sports channel or something uh, to, to distract yourself from it? Then yeah, you're gonna feel isolated. You're gonna feel like you feel that this is a horrible. Uh, these horrible things are happening and there's nothing you can do about them and nobody cares. No one else cares. Mm. Well, of course there are people who care. Uh, uh, certainly us. But I suppose again it's a perspective. You know, um, does anybody else have any other Horrible, horrible news stories to convey just before. We've got to bring people down. That was pretty horrible. That was horrible, horrible in itself. But when you said that invisible line, it just made me think, like, what does that represent? There's so many invisible lines in our own life, just some arbitrary borders that we have between ourselves and other people. And how do we break through that? I mean, what would have happened if those guys in the boat actually crossed that invisible line and actually did right. save those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how so can we just cross those in, those invisible lines that separate us from other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those guys now just said to hell with it. I mean, <laughs> there is no line, basically, you know what I mean? But apparently, you know, authority, yeah. you know, uh, dictates uh, what people do and don't do, even when it comes to their own humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, some possible mm-hmm. context in this story is that... Um, also last week, two Danish volunteer rescue workers were arrested by Greek authorities both as, uh, and charged as being um, human traffickers because they swam out to one of the boats and helped them into the shore, at which point they committed an offence, right, an invisible offence, and they ended up being charged with the crime of of, of what the main media narrative is saying is at fault for this wave of refugees, which is that, oh, evil humans are trafficking them. Isn't that so easy to just turn it all around against? So that might that kind of thing is going on, I think, in in the minds, the fear of reprisal. Um, I would say that in the bigger t- context, though, Greeks are doing the best they can. I mean, like mm-hmm. any massive ordinary people, if they were faced with this situation, I think you'd find most people would save to hell with the lines and just get on with it. Um, <clears throat> other news related to this, um, these waves of refugees this week, um, a Greek, the Greek, the Greek government has set up a, a ministry dedicated to dealing with the crisis. Um, I think he is going under the title Minister of Refugees. 
And he spoke with um, a British journalist and said, um, let me tell you, I had a phone call with my Belgian counterparts this week and they told me, listen, stop letting them in, stop helping them, let them drown explicitly. So it's a horrible situation within many and everyone's got these invisible lines in their heads as to what they should and shouldn't do. Um, but this is sort of, I think, I think this is kind of tangential in a way to what we're going to get at today in terms of a more profound malaise that people feel in general. It, it's, it's one thing for one particular story to knock you off your feet. But um, as the guy who wrote in to us said, it's a feeling of hopelessness from seeing a kind of the global totality of the situation and ending up in a, in a mental space where you basically freeze and you can't move forward. You don't make any life decisions, never mind having a fear of making the wrong one. Um, I can relate to that. I mean, I was in university and I was basically crawling to the finish line. I barely got out of there with anything to to show for myself. Um, and at the time, I was really... I, I, I can say now, in retrospect, I was depressed. I didn't admit that to myself at the time, but it was certainly something like that. And it came from uh, allowing myself, if you like, to take in the totality of the horror of the situation on this planet. And the only thing that got me out of it was relating, even if in, not, in, not in a full sense, at least beginning to relate to other people who also see or feel this way about the overall horror of the situation. I think even the guy who wrote in to us, he himself um, has admitted that he reads Sot. Um, he's aware of our form, and so he kind of he's a, like a listener. He doesn't participate much. But he has that thread, at least. It's inevitable that you're going to end up wanting to relate to others who see and feel as you do. So we kind of have the basic answer there. Everyone kind of comes to it naturally. How can I deal with this profound depression? I must seek out other people who are coping with it mm. and then carry on in spite of seeing and feeling the, right. the horrors. <clears throat> but it's one thing for people to be able to listen to uh, a show like this show and I don't think there are many shows out there um, that talk about the kind of things that we talk that say we're kind of unique in that sense. <clears throat> it's one thing to be able to listen to voices on the, on the internet type of thing uh, once or twice or even three times a week. But it's another thing to have physical contact, you know, and a lot of people, um, I think, really, like, like this guy, who, who see the state of this world and, and how horrible it is and where it seems to be going, just how way beyond idiocracy is. If anybody's seen the movie Idiocracy, uh, Idiocracy is tame compared to what, if you really look at what's going on, um, that uh, there's very few people that people like that can, can I, they're not going to find other people who say, yeah, I know how you feel, it's also horrible. Everybody is just 
totally distracted by, you know, well, the myriad distractions that are offered to people. And, and it's understandable because who wants to look at the world and constate or, or you know, admit and recognize to yourself that it is a really, really horrible place with so much inhumanity and so much just uh, what pathology and and idiocy going on that it just there's nowhere for it to go and who, who wants to look at the world that you live in that you call your home and that you rely on for a sense of security that it's going to continue on in some stable enough kind of state who wants to look at that and say well it's it's all going to hell it's like uh, mm-hmm. admitting that your whole enti- your entire security system uh, you're pulling it away or pulling it down uh, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're acting. You're, acting, you're effectively acting against yourself in that sense. So most people don't want to do that and will fly into this dissociation and distraction and stuff. But I think that's getting increasingly difficult for people to do. So people have to increasingly dissociate more and more and more. And of course, as that need uh, comes up, uh, <laughs> there seems to be more and more avenues for people to dissociate into. You know, in more and more extreme ways. You know, it's no surprise that. The technology you have, like, uh, in the past 10 or 15 years, really, the rise of, like, video games, for example, and uh, pornography, for example, all over the web uh, at a a mouse click away, uh, just to to name but two. And also, you know, I mean, it's almost like we're repeating, uh, you know, kind of the the worst uh, days of of civilizations gone by, you know. Um, I often think of... uh, of the height of the corruption of the Roman Empire, you know, with the bread and circuses, and, uh, people going to mm-hmm. uh, going to Colosseum and stuff, and then my, compare that with uh, the rise in the past number of years of, of cage fighting, for example, or uh, mm-hmm. mixed martial arts, where basically you have guys, you know, almost bludgeoning each other to death in a cage, you know. Uh, all, you, all you're missing there is the haggers and, and, and whatever else, you know, <laughs> and a few swords, and we're, we're right there again, you know. Um, but it's just for me it's just across the board you know uh, like politics anybody who can see what's going on uh, I mean look at like people like Donald Trump and any well, Donald Trump is you know he's quintessentially American isn't he but in the sense that uh, the, the, he's uh, only America could produce someone like Donald Trump you know who would be so bombastic and so full of hot air and bullshit and get away with it type of thing in other countries most other countries, particularly in Western Europe, you wouldn't get someone like Donald Trump who would get away with that. People are a bit too kind of reserved and, and sensitive to that kind of bullshit, you know. But in America, at least for a certain part of the population, it flies, you know. Uh, like in Canada, from where, where Doug's from, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that would fly very well. Um, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that anywhere else is better because, in fact, you look at places like the UK and France and you just see the, 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 just the, the pusillanimous, Sniveling, evil nature mm. of the politicians who all say all the right things, but you know there are a bunch of heartless, evil bastards behind it, and and they prove it mm-hmm. time and time again. Uh, so it's it's pretty bad on that on that sphere in terms of authorities. I mean, authorities just aren't serving their function anymore for 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 the ordinary people, you know. But people have no choice, so they have to accept them. So they have to find a way to to twist and reinterpret the obvious lies that they're getting and the obvious, obvious evil policies that are being implemented, they have to kind of put a positive spin on those because they have no choice because they know that uh, the next guy who's going to come along is going to be the same as the, the last guy. You know, so the, um, mm-hmm. And then terrorism, you know, the whole 
threat, like we mentioned refugees and the horrors of, of the refugee crisis, where people are just being allowed to drown in front of so-called uh, you know, the, the free and democratic Western world. The officials of, the, of that world are, are watching uh, people in desperate need drowning right in front of them and saying, oh, sorry, we can't do anything about that. Uh, but then the cause of that, uh, what caused the refugee crisis, it's pure, naked, imperialist greed and uh, death-dealing by these so-called democratic nations in the West, where they're invading countries in the Middle East, slaughtering people all, all over the place, and then blaming those people effectively. And when they're in, 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 in need, they're just letting them die. And, uh, and of course, they're justifying it all by the, uh, by the, with the excuse or the, the, the threat of terrorism, which, again we have repeatedly pointed out is very likely being carried out by the government themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. They actually um, I mean, we, we don't need to get into that specifically but uh, you see, we can see how that's being manufactured as a way to divide uh, Western populations in particular um, divide them from other people in, in the world, like people in the Middle East refugees, etc. So they create a refugee crisis and at the same time they create the situation where people will be will effectively hate those refugees. That you, effectively, as the people of Western countries, are responsible for creating. You, you, you're responsible, your governments are responsible, and you're responsible indirectly for creating those refugees, and your government then puts in place something that makes you hate them. Hate the people that you have effectively, indirectly victimized. Uh, so, when you see those kind of things, and then, I mean, you can go into all sorts of other areas, but anywhere you look, it's horrible. It's just corrupt pathological and pure evil and this is your home so yeah can understand why you're feeling a bit depressed and a bit hopeless about the whole situation you're 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 talking about things that might not necessarily affect anyone's lives in other words they can carry on with all this push to the background but then you add in the things that are typical of these kinds of times that hit them daily and that they can't escape from. A simple one is ever-increasing taxes. Mm -hmm. The stress of keeping afloat, never mind thriving economically, is, I think it's got to be the number one Mm -hmm. juice extractor for the system Mm -hmm. and the number one stress factor. Mm -hmm. Staying uh, at least you can help people. You can almost hear people scream out. Just at least leave me a little corner, a place I can just stay. You know, stay away from it all. And it's becoming harder and harder because that that little um, uh, corner of yours is becoming sque- is getting squeezed ever smaller and smaller. And so, whichever way you look, even if you can afford to or can successfully, in quotes, push some of the horrors that come across the airwaves out of sight and out of mind. Mm. You don't escape. No one escapes from it. And it's the... I think this is what the sum picture of this together. Yeah. I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. There's a, I was just going to say, there's a, there's a guy in the chat room. He's not a regular, obviously. And his response to what we were just saying was, uh, I don't know where he comes from, but he said, stuff in hell, which I think means stuffing hell. His name is Stardust 2003. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
stuff in hell. What a pile of liberal crap this show is. <laughs> now, that's, an of, that's an example of um, a problem with people, you know, um, who can't really think. And I mean, obviously this kind of show isn't for someone like that. But when they immediately have these terms, these, these uh, labels that they can throw out, liberal, you know, all well, this is liberal. Liberals talk about that. Liberals talk about what? But the way the world is, you know, I mean, <laughs> nothing we just said is in any way an opinion. It's basically citing news reports of the facts of the way the world is. But when you do that, apparently you're liberal. So if you've got a bleeding heart for the world and how the world is also screwed up and people are suffering, you're a liberal. Uh, sure, you can call us a liberal. Call us, you know, any other name you can think of. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I mean, uh, but that that's that's an example of the way they they have divided people. You know, to think that 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 opinions are all just opinions. You know, that there's there's liberal opinion, conservative opinion, right and left, and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, that's nonsense. You know, everybody on this planet is human beings. Well, most of them, and um, they all share the planet. And the stuff that happens on the planet affects everybody. So this isn't about political orientations or ideologies. Liberal is a political ideology. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what's happening in the world, in front of your face. Go and read the news, you know. So anyway, guys, uh, Doug and Tiff, what do you, uh, what do you think? Well, that attitude to that, that chatter just posted, I mean, that's part of the problem there too. Because if you're depressed and you're just your mind is just reeling from the state of the world and the way things are, and you're kind of reaching out for a way to kind of connect with people and try to figure out, am I the only one who feels this way or do other people feel this way? And maybe you might reach out to the wrong person. It might be the kind of person that just posted that in the chat room, and you just get shouted down and you may you know, get made to feel crazy because you see these things and they say, oh, no, you're stupid, you're crazy, you're liberal, and it just makes it worse. <laughs> I right. mean, it's bad right. enough that you reach out to the wrong person, but right, exactly. Yeah. So what you're saying is that even people, who, when people like our listener that kind of uh, we talked about at the beginning of the show, feeling isolated and depressed and stuff, they go and look for someone mm-hmm. and they get <clears throat> someone who really doesn't understand at all. And I mean, it's understandable that they'd go and look for someone to kind of connect with and be keeping their ear open to see if anybody feels the same way. And they might hear something and think that they've got someone who who understands a bit, but then they just get a load of political ideology nonsense, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty bad. Doug, any uh, any comment on that? Yeah, well, um, what kind of comes across to me is that when we're you know when we're discussing all this stuff about the state of the world and how absolutely terrible it is, and you know you can look into any facet of our reality and really see how bad things are. You know, even just looking into uh, you know food politics and and our the you know the food chain and all that kind of stuff, you see the amount of corruption. Um, how things are being twisted, um, you know, things that are ridiculously unhealthy are being promoted as, you know, a panacea. It's, it, you know, it, it is extremely right. frustrating. And I think what we're really talking about here is what Gurdjieff referred to as the horror of the situation. You know, if you mm-hmm. really start to open your eyes and you kind of take a look at what's going on around you, it's horrifying. It absolutely is. And, you know, it's, it's easy to see why some people, well, I mean, most people would actually just get depressed want to shut it off, go dissociate, and, and not have to deal with it. But, you know, what Gurdjieff talked about is that this is actually material with which to work with so that we can actually take what we're seeing around us and use mm-hmm. that as a way to kind of work on ourselves and kind of, um, you know, improve ourselves in some way. 
And, you know, it, it, it can kind of come across as kind of crass or, uh, you know, kind of selfish to be like using this ter- these terrible situations to kind of work on yourself. But it really is kind of a, a, an avenue for exploring yourself and what's going on with yourself, how you're reacting to these things, um, you know, where the things that are beneficial to you and the things that are not beneficial to you. So that that just is kind of the, the angle that I tend to kind of look on, look at it on. And it's, you know, the, the, the guy who wrote in, it's a very understandable position. Um, but I think kind of the avenue out of this, and I'm not saying to turn off depression or anything like that and kind of numb yourself from it, but the avenue is to kind of try and, and work with this in some way, to try and um, use the insanity, that, that friction, you know, as, as a means of kind of building yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, or possibly breaking yourself down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, like from the Dabrowski kind of uh, perspective on it. Right, it's a difficult process, and, you know, you might have some kind of, you know, I think even depression is a kind of a, is a reaction when it's when it's in reaction to what's going on in the world that it, it can be a healthy thing, but it shouldn't be something that becomes entrenched and, and you know becomes yeah. years or lifelong problem. It's, but it, it it is a, a a reaction to what's an objective, fairly fairly close to being an objective reaction to what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, it's, we've it's all very... been in this position before, like when we first came across certain materials. And if we felt, like, really depressed and, like, the world was just crumbling around, you know, all around us, I mean, that that profound depression and that why, that why, I remember feeling that, like, why are things the way they are? That's kind of like knocking on the door of the universe, and you really can find answers if you just keep asking. So I think you can use it, like you said, Doug. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of an opportunity kind of right away to kind of look at how you're dealing with it. You know, um, the, it's very natural to get extremely negative and depressed about these things when you when you kind of take a look at them. Uh, but I think it's important to look at, you know, how you're dealing with that. Are you dwelling on it? Are you sitting there and uh, not able to leave your couch because why bother? You know, these these are not um, uh, beneficial kind of reactions to this sort of thing. You know, you can use these emotions as a means of kind of motivating yourself. Um, but if you're just stewing it at all and, you know, stewing in the kind of chemical uh, release of, of depression and, you know, we all get addicted to these kind of chemical states. Um, so I think it's important to kind of really get do a self-assessment and kind of see where you're at. You know, maybe a part of you actually likes dwelling on this kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. a, a part of you actually, you, you get some sort of benefit because as long as you're um, paralyzed and you don't actually have to do anything. And, you know, right. it, can, it can feed into your, your laziness or your um, your apathy or, or whatever it might be. So I think, uh, you know, one of the first steps is to kind of take a look at, at actually how you're dealing with it. And uh, and then from there, maybe get some, some steps to kind of get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, a listener specified that he, he, he felt that he'd made a mistake as a young man in, mm-hmm. in his life decisions. And I, I would say to that, no, that that could not be the case because in what you were doing in opening your eyes to the nature of reality, you you have actually done something that is the next thing to do. It was a progressive, so to speak, development. Mm-hmm. If, if we look back on things and say, I should have done this and should have done that, it, 
it's one thing to do that in ordinary circumstances, but to do that in the course of wrestling with reality and coming to terms with it, that is something that if he can just adjust his perspective a little bit, that's a gift. It doesn't mm. feel that way to him at the moment, but he's actually learned something yeah. new. Um, Bahar, you want to say anything? Yeah, um, I can definitely relate to our listener who wrote that um, message to us. Um, I used to feel pretty depressed and lonely, and uh, listening to the radio shows really helped me connect with other people. And It's difficult to feel hopeless about the state of the world and seeing how things are getting worse and how things repeat themselves. And... um, I would say, based on my own experience, if you're feeling lonely and you're feeling depressed about the state of the world and the way maybe your own life is currently, I would say find a way to express your frustrations and emotions. If you can start a blog, do that and write about it, write about what what's currently really bugging you mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, if we think about how we found out about some of the truths of the state of the world, it's maybe because we read something someone else wrote. Mm. So this is a way that we can help other people and let other people know, hey, you're not alone. Mm. I'm having these feelings too. And mm-hmm. another thing would be to connect with other people who think the same way. Like we have our forum and I would say have a look and don't be afraid to uh, interact with others. Don't be afraid to make mistakes or we're all learning together and sharing our thoughts and our emotions. It it really lessens the burden, and you'll mm-hmm. and helping each other. You know, making the right decisions because sometimes we can't see clearly. Um, we can't see objectively how bad our situation is or how good it is and what to do about it. And having more eyes and other people looking at our situation. We can make it better, and if and if our situation improves, then we can help other people. So I think connection and expressing yourself is really important. As it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That those are really good, uh, really good suggestions, and I mean, it's an answer. I mean, you're saying it's not. Uh, it doesn't necessarily. It's not maybe the ideal answer for for the kind of person that uh, that we're talking about here who feels isolated and alone and can't find find anybody else. But I mean, mm-hmm. as a as an alternative. That maybe isn't perfect, but it's yeah. it's pretty good. You're talking about connecting with people online yeah. and, and uh, mm-hmm. discussing things with them and sharing ideas mm-hmm. and, and and telling other people how you feel, basically, even if it's not face to face. That's uh, better than nothing. It's certainly a lot, lot better than nothing. Well, that's only the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, from there, yeah. you end up here, the three of us in a room together. Over there, Doug and Tiff, <clears throat> and people, we're we're all meeting and making real connections. But it be uh, it began with that first step, right? And, and it yeah. felt it felt safer for e- for each of us to to share more of ourselves, mm-hmm. to integrate, and to finally meet, and in some cases start living together. But mm-hmm. it, it is built on that original uh, yearning need to communicate, really, with other people who see what's going on, and that's how we yeah. all got together. Yeah. Yeah, okay, for, so for myself, just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Doug. 
Well, I was just going to say, like, just just for myself, I know when I first started kind of uh, reading SOT and uh, reading the Wave series and, and that sort of thing and really kind of uh, coming, you know, seeing the world for what it was, um, I found that what I ended up doing was kind of uh, isolating myself in a lot of ways. Like, I kind of recognized that this is not something that I can just talk to, you know, my, my buddy at work about. You know, this is this is something that, that that's much bigger. And I ended up kind of like, you know, isolating myself in a certain way and kind of leading a double life where it's like, you know, right. uh, the average day, Doug just kind of walks around and talks about what, you know, whatever is on TV at the moment. And uh, but then using like the forum and saw it and that sort of thing to kind of it was almost like that was more the real Doug. And I, I would kind of use that as as an outlet for all these kinds of frustrations that would build up during the day. And that, um, you know, I think that that was very beneficial for me. I don't know that it's necessarily how, what everybody wants to do. Um, but, you know, what I ended up happening is that slowly but surely, I would have some of these people in my everyday life start to kind of talk about these things and, you know, have a, 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 a kind of a glimmer there. And, you know, I could drop a few words and, 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 and say a few things about my perspective on them without, you know, saying, you know, giving away, you know, the whole banana kind of thing. But... Uh, it, it kind of it was it was beneficial for me because then um, there suddenly you start seeing these avenues in your daily life where you might be able to express yourself a little more than you thought you were able to before. So I don't, I don't know. Like I say, I don't know if that's necessarily the the right approach for everybody, but that that's what I found um, kind of worked for me. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting that you say uh, that the idea of uh, when when you first kind of start to have these, uh, we start to see the world as it really is and start to feel uh, based on that scene. Uh, you can get depressed and stuff, but, uh, and, and maybe that leads you to kind of connect with, you start looking for other people, you don't find any people in your local environment or even further afield, so you look online and you, you, know, you end up, uh, it's a natural progression for a lot of people, they find some forums where other people share the same ideas, etc., um, but you're still living in kind of uh, two worlds, you know, you're, uh, you're, you have your normal physical life type thing, um, where you're not talking to anybody about this kind of stuff. Uh, you're still maybe going out to, out to bars, out, out for a drink or something. You're socializing, doing the normal stuff. Uh, but you're, then you have this secret life, secret online mm-hmm. life, you know, um, <laughs> where you find real people, actually, are people who have a lot more sense than the average person in the street. And um, and you can you can do that for a certain period of time. But I think eventually, if you if you're sincere, you start kind of moving away from normal life to a large extent you know you start you yeah. start finding more value and uh finding finding the discussion of of what's actually happening in the world uh, a much richer experience more fulfilling experience even even if it's online than talking mm-hmm. about the latest football game with your buddy in a bar right. you know uh and yeah. if, you, if you keep going with that you know as neil was saying eventually particularly in our case eventually there are ways for uh in a progressive way to to establish real contact and, 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 and meet new people and, and, and get what you ultimately uh, were looking for in the beginning, which is yeah. you know, face-to-face connections with, with, with real people who share the same, uh, same worldview. Yeah, it's kind of like a, like a, like it's a, it's a, a process. So I think that you know, when people first come across this stuff, they, they, there's this urgency, this, this sense that, oh, my God, I need to like, pack up and move away and, and, uh, and you know, hook up with, uh, with a community somewhere where people all see, see things the same way that I do. And I think that uh, you, know, you, you need to have kind of respect for the process. 
and you have to kind of mm-hmm. work towards that. And as you start taking steps in your own life, uh, avenues start to open up that maybe weren't there before. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but just getting back to, uh, I mean, if we follow the, I mean, there's, well, one thing I was going to say was about preppers and stuff. There's a whole community of preppers out there who are uh, take maybe taking it to the next level to a certain extent because what we've just described is how the world is uh, pretty messed up. It's getting uh, increasingly messed up and um, where is it going to go is the question. How far, how bad can it get? Because we're not just talking here about on the human sphere. We also on our website, thought.net, uh, and on our forum, etc., track... Uh, what the planet is doing and the planet has gone mm. a bit haywire and it looks like it's gearing up or is posing a clear and present danger to the inhabitants uh, to its, its the fleas on its back type of thing you know it's it's um there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of talk about well obviously there's a lot of seriously disturbed weather going on a lot of flooding that has potential impacts for uh food availability there's uh, we've seen some major earthquakes, uh, unprecedented kind of tornadoes, hurricanes in different places. Um, and there's also uh, the ever-present and uh, increasingly present talk about a big earthquake on the east coast of the, U- uh, the west coast of the U.S., the big one in California type thing. So we put all of that together. <clears throat> it could be you can understand where the kind of prepper community is coming from. They're seeing a kind of a complete, not necessarily, they may not be so much looking at earth changes and whatever, but they're looking at a complete collapse of civilization and almost a, like a destruction of civilization to a large extent and people having to rely on their wits again type of thing back to almost the Stone Age. When we were talking about this earlier, it's interesting that in the past few years, years you have the paleo diet coming up, you know, paleolithic man type thing. Well, that's kind of almost the scenario that the preppers are talking about, which is, you know, you're basically, you know, living with very... Uh, very basic, the basic necessities, if any. Um, not that a pillow diet is bad, because we can talk about that maybe in a little bit, but um, it's just, I just thought it was interesting that that comes along at this time, because if you, if you consider it, in the, if you follow that track and uh, look at where life or civilization on this planet could go, it's not unreasonable, even from a scientific uh, perspective, to envision the idea of a mass extinction. I mean, they say that, science officially would say that we're in the middle or in process of the sixth extinction on this planet. But of course, they say it takes a very long period of time. Uh, we think they're kind of missing missing the point there in that extinctions or extinction level events tend to happen much, much more quickly. Um, so when you posit that, of course, getting back to what I was saying previously about what I think anyway is the the, the feeling of depression that people get and uh, from from looking at the state of the world uh, is that the world, at a very fundamental level for every human being on this planet, is their home, and your home is a secure place, and you're heavily invested, existentially invested, in your home, continuing to be a safe and secure place as the evidence for it not being that way on a human and environmental level increases, you increasingly can feel more and more insecure and fearful about the future. Um, so maybe that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's making the situation a bit worse there, you know? I mean, that's pushing... Someone might just be 
depressed about politics, but I'm saying, well, you should be depressed about the, the future of the planet and that it's not going to be a viable <laughs> ecosystem for very much longer, possibly. Um, well, but, yeah, go ahead. A lot of people actually will, will follow you there. Uh, let's, put, let's, call, let's group them all together as preppers, because we've gone with that term. Their problem, though, if you want to call it a problem, is that, we, well, we suspect anyway, they take the biblical injunction to get your house in order a bit too literally. They flee into <laughs> my physical security. And sure, they go out and they apply some of the knowledge they're picking up, and they make some kinds of connections with others, maybe join a co-op, maybe pool together with guys who go out hiking and learn some skills. Great in themselves. <coughs> but how many times have we heard there's still something lacking, something doesn't feel quite Maybe the group breaks down, there was an issue, a lack of trust, somebody stole money, it's, oh, a bummer, it didn't work out. What they're missing is that getting your house in order is is more than making sure you've got the physical supplies, making sure you know how to build a fire from scratch, making sure you've got enough fuel, etc., and so on. It's something deeper than that. It's something far more profound. And the key to any success story, which even some good survivalists will tell you, and they always cite studies that have shown that you take any two groups and give them the same, or even you take one group and a control group and give one all the resources they could possibly need to to succeed in, in the environment, and the other is less so. The control group, if it has better relationships running through that group, will always come out better than the one that had more physically. And this is the key to it. <clears throat> Good relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and situational awareness, too, I think is part of it. It's kind of like there's a lot of, of, of emphasis put on the physical preparation, having enough food stored, get your guns, you know, have enough ammo. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, what, what doesn't tend to get concentrated on as much is sort of a mental preparedness, an idea that your plan might not work out and you need to be flexible enough to take on another plan. Or, um, you know, get even through diet and health and nutrition and getting, getting yourself in a state where your, your brain is working properly. You know, like how many people are going to be able to be flexible about their plan if they're eating Cheetos all day? You know, it, it's mm. kind of like you have to, you have, your body needs to be in a state um, of, of readiness. You know, you have to be in a state now to be able to act in, uh, at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, you know, just getting back to the idea of a, of a collapse of civilization that uh, Neil was saying that a lot of people will follow follow you on, especially the uh, global warmers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they would probably go there. And um, it's, uh, I think there's a fundamental problem with the human conception of human civilization or life on, on, on planet Earth and that most people in science has taught everybody to believe that it's linear, basically, that the planet goes on. The planet's been here for six billion years. It'll be here for another three or four billion. So, you know, it's just, it has a start and an end. Whereas uh, the evidence would suggest that human, uh, it, maybe not the planet itself, but certainly human civilization is cyclical in nature and, and that there are rises and falls. And, and um, 
uh, this idea of, of an extinct of extinctions of 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 human life on earth or all life on earth possibly is is one that uh, that most people don't understand don't, don't don't believe in or don't don't accept that it. it's not in their in their head obviously um but and obviously that would that kind of would take us into a kind of a, a spiritual realm of you know of living and dying and 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 on what happens, you know, in reincarnation, you know, do you come back? And if there's cyclical, cyclical nature of, of civilizations, assuming you have some spirituality, then, you know, do you come back to the, the same planet, uh, etc.? But um, it's... Uh, yeah, I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, you do. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you do. Well, you know... The, th- the thing is, uh, is that in in the cos- our cosmology, let's say, uh, the idea is that there is evolution, but it's not necessarily evolution. The most important evolution isn't evolution of the species uh, in a physical way, but evolution in a in a spiritual way. And that uh, allowing for the idea of reincarnation, people do reincarnate. There's many lifetimes on the planet, and uh, but in that process, you are effectively learning how to be. A better human being, or a more complete, a more full human being, and that is the process of of evolution. It's a it's a, it's a spiritual evolution, but it obviously is mirrored in the physical. Can we call it evolution of the mind? Well, it's evolution of of the entire entire, entire human being, the entire organism, everything that makes up a human being. So it's not just mind, but it would be an emotional evolution in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's probably a physical component to it as well. But the most important thing is. Obviously, it's not your physical body. If you're dying and reincarnating and having many different lives, the most important thing is what you know, what you are, what kind of uh, a human being you are, and and what the actual progression is. You know, if you t- take a starting point of, let's say, like a Neanderthal or a Cro-Magnon man or something, and you know, just very simple, basic, uh, um, you know, uh, a very simple, basic organism that has, you know, um, basic responses, basic needs, and basic uh, levels of expression. And from there up to, you know, on a on a on a line, uh, a spectrum. From there, going towards more evolved, uh, more aware, have uh, you know, more inclusive or more expansive thoughts about things, more abstract thoughts, and 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 where all of that goes. And that is closer to the idea of of what real evolution we think actually is. And in that case, <clears throat> then it's possible that. Uh, again, expanding out our cosmology to there being, you know, other worlds, other experiences, other planes, let's say, of existence. I mean, obviously, this is incorporated into mainstream religion where you can go to heaven or you can go to hell, you know, after you die. But, you know, I mean, it seems a bit uh, obtuse of uh, particularly Christianity to posit only one lifetime in heaven or hell. It's, uh, there's been many, many books written on the on the illogicality and really profound injustice of the idea that you're dumped into... Dumped into uh, one life, and you just take what you get. And if you're found wanting at the end of it, you're going to hell. And if you're if you're somehow good or blessed, or you get the right religion, mm. if you get Christianity, you're going to heaven. <coughs> it's so far it's far too rigid. The universe right. is far more complex. So Eastern <coughs> Eastern traditions have the idea of reincarnation. So that seems much more reasonable to assume if you're going to talk about religion at all. <coughs> so, um, yeah. So reincarnation fits into this idea of an evolution of the human being where you have many lives to experience human life and learn and grow and take what's on offer from, uh, take, learn what you can from, from human existence. And what, what that is, it seems to be uh, learning <coughs> um, 
Well, learning kind of about what we were talking about at the beginning, which is about reality, observing, mm. uh, g- giving everything its due, essentially, uh, assigning, you know, uh, truth and falsehood to things. You know, and look at how many people today are flying into this, uh, this um, delusion and, and falsehood over over simple things in uh, on the planet that they can't take, they can't actually handle the fact that, you know, for example, their authorities would be lying to them. So regardless of the evidence, they're going to make up a fancy story to justify how their evil corrupt politician is actually a good guy. Um, that doesn't seem to be a very, or very much in keeping with the idea of using all of the available God-given, if you want, human faculties, which is to observe reality and assign uh, truth and falsehood to it, what is and what is not, uh, uh, mm-hmm. as best you can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you've mentioned seeing reality as it is, um, seeing how expansive it is, coming to terms with it, and giving everything is due. So here we're addressing, I think, the core of our listeners' problem, which is that he says, I can't find purpose. I, I need to. I want to have a purpose. What is my purpose in this? Does anyone else have anything to add in terms of how they see their purpose in all this? Given all that you know about the state of the world, what do you see as your... What is our purpose then? Mm. Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I'm I'm going to open it up a bit by saying we may not know. We seem to learn more about it as we go along. It seems to evolve. I, yeah. For me, I, I liked the way I explained it to myself for many years was um, I like uh, I, I like to think that it was, well, okay, I was born in this time and this all this crazy stuff is happening. I am going to record it as best I can to witness, bear witness, and in the course of doing that, uh, you know, from, from reading Soth and from meeting people, at least in virtual reality on the forum, I started to write on Soth. And it's only then that I discovered something I was good at and something I loved. I found I had a gift and something to give. So it's in the course of actually um, paying attention to reality that I found a profound sense of purpose and happiness and uh, something that I could do well and that and it gave me meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, you see something that's lacking, you know, uh, which is that there's so many lies and, and falsehoods out there and and to be able to stand up and counter that and point out as best you can, you know, be like you said, witness it or be one witness to and one spokesperson for uh, reality is, yeah, that's a very, very good purpose. I mean, that, that for me, that's in line with proper human evolution, you know, to, mm. to, 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 do, to do that, you know, because, um, because people, uh, an entire population of a planet who, who engage in lies, who just feed on lies and deception, I mean, they're going nowhere because there is a reality. The problem with doing that is that you don't. You can't create your own reality. Just you can't believe that that uh, Donald Trump's a good guy or David, David Cameron's a good guy, and, uh, and and then have it happen. Because quite clearly, these guys do not have. And this is from the real, the, the, the what's it called, the reality-based community. 
uh, perspective, these <laughs> people do not have your best interest at heart. And it doesn't matter how much you wish they do or think that they or try to think they do, they don't. And it's not even the most basic human being, let's say, uh, can understand that if you, let's, um, well, since they talk a lot of bullshit, let's use the analogy of a bull, you know, there's a bull in a field. This is David Cameron or Donald Trump, you know, and it's got big horns and it's got red blowing eyes and it looks quite angry. And uh, But you decide for whatever bizarre reason uh, that you need to believe that the bull is actually a nice, uh, friendly creature that will give you a lick in the cheek. A unicorn. It's a unicorn, whatever. So, I mean, the most basic person can understand that if you get into that field under those conditions, however much you might wish that the bull is going to kiss you, that you're probably going to get gored. At that point, you're going to go, oh, shit, we probably don't know what happened. Why did the unicorn gore me? You know, uh, that's, that's not uh, meant to happen. And that's not, I mean, that's, that's a fail. That's epic fail, you know, for anybody who's, you know, that's, um, that's a bad, bad thing to do because you have to go, go back and figure it out again, I suppose. And if there's reincarnation, you'll probably come back and you'll be confronted with the same field again, you know. Maybe ask, is it a unicorn? <laughs> like, n- n- yeah, it's a unicorn. All right, go ahead. And, and get to do it again. So, um, you know, that for, that's just trying to put some a kind of definition on it. For me, it seems that as human beings, that's a fail. That's a failure of, of of the potential for a human being. Like we're saying, to state things as they are, to see things as they are, and assign the uh, the correct meaning and interpretation to some stuff that happens in the world around you. Uh, so yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that could be a purpose. You know, when you see so many people not doing that and the world mm-hmm. going in the wrong direction, you can you can have a purpose of trying to. Uh, contribute in whatever way you can and the best way to contribute in that is to find other people who are doing the same thing and lend your energy to that effort because in doing that it's possible that you know if there is some mechanism for creating a, a new world or even if it was some you know even in the worst case scenario where you're stuck in some post cataclysmic world at least you'll be hanging out with a group of people who all know that a bull isn't a unicorn, and you're probably <laughs> better chance of surviving. Surviving, you know, uh, these people who, are, who are, you know. So, um, but it's possible that you could, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that uh, that's possible to create some kind of a, you know, a new world in some description or, or, or of some description, uh, based on uh, objective reality on assigning. Uh, you know, uh, mm, assigning truth uh, to what's true and, and lies to what's, what are lies. And, and that's a much better way uh, to, to organize any society and to, to be able to function in any reality if you're, if you're practiced and have, uh, have experience with, um, with knowing what is what, basically, as opposed to what is not. Um, but the, I think part of the problem, and this gets back again to the very beginning, is that in going through that process and facing into um, what is and accepting what is, um, that is a very, it can be a very difficult process and can lead to depression and hopelessness and stuff because, not just because the world, you see the world is the way it is, but because of the effect of that happening, having on you 
because in, in observing and accepting the world for the way it actually is in reality and not the way you would like it to be, you have to uh, divest yourself of a lot of your own illusions. Uh, mm. if, you can, if you notice how, as we've been mentioning, how, uh, how furiously people fight to maintain their illusions, you can probably then understand how kind of almost painful or difficult it is to let them go. Because people don't fight for something that isn't very important to them. And when people lose something that's important to them, it's painful. Uh, and here we're talking about maybe something closer to not physical pain, but emotional pain. You know, so it's, 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 it's emotionally painful to do this. And, um, but uh, that process, I think, you know, again, I think you mentioned this, Neil, is that the best thing to do it. So, so what I'm talking about here is context, basically. To put everything that's happening on this planet in context and why you should do what we're suggesting you do, which is face into the hopelessness of the situation and use other people that you can find, like us, who are on the same track as support to do that because um, you've seen the light to a certain extent. You've seen the way it is and you can't look away. You can't, once you've seen it once or twice, uh, it can take a little bit of time, but eventually you realize, well, now you know what truth and lies is. Now you've seen the bullshit compared to the truth and you can't just go back into, you can't turn like a, like a dog to its vomit uh, and, and be happy. So, you can't take the blue pill, unlike in the movie. Right, exactly. So, um, it, while it's difficult, you can have some hope, and this is where hope comes into it, you can have some hope and confidence that in pushing on through that difficult, those difficult times of, of facing into reality and, and letting go of your illusions and realizing <coughs> that the world isn't the way you want it to be and you know politicians or whoever, etc., are not the way you thought they were, uh, you can have hope that, that you will come out the other side of that, basically. You will be able to reconcile that within yourself once, once you divest yourself or eventually are able to give up the illusions, let go of the illusions, you know, as painful as that might be, and restructure yourself to a certain extent, adjust to a different kind of a, a, a reality, essentially, where um, it's still a scary reality to a certain extent because there's a lot of scary things going on in the world, a lot of things that are threatening. But um, it is a kind of a one-way street, and there is another side to it. There is there is a, the end of the tunnel, effectively, uh, where um, you have effectively just let go of all of your illusions about the world. It's not so painful. But what I'm saying is, it's a process mm-hmm. that people should understand. Mm-hmm. It's a process, not get hung up on hung up hung up on it or get uh, stuck at the first hurdle, you know, mm-hmm. that as painful as it is. So what we're saying here is that it's not an easy process. You have to continue doing it, but don't think that it's going to be that you're entering into a kind of new way of thinking and seeing things that are extremely depressing and it's going to be that way forever. It's not. It's mm-hmm. a process. Well, I think yeah, that's where faith comes into it, too. It's right. not that you're going to know that this step is going to lead to this step and then to that step and to the step after that. You just ask the questions and you seek the truth. You look at the world the way it really is. You try to see reality. You don't turn away from the darkness, but at the same time, you don't align yourself with the darkness. 
and you just keep moving on. I mean, you don't know where it's going to end up, but you can only hope and have faith that it'll end up in a a better place. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you, know, you have faith. Go ahead, Doug. Well, I, I was just going to say, like, kind of, kind of um, going on on this uh, this topic. It's it's. It's you can almost say that that the the first step um, as far as your purpose is finding your purpose, you know, because a lot of people are coming at this and they don't they you know they're just overwhelmed by what they're seeing, um, and it's very difficult from that to to try and navigate that from where you are. So I think uh, you know Neil asked about you know what what is your purpose, you know what what are we doing here, and I think that maybe um, you know we did we did a show on depression um, a while back uh, on the health and wellness show. And uh, one of the things that was brought up in that show is how important it is to have an aim, you know, have uh, uh, an idea of what you want to do, where you want to get to, but to keep that aim very flexible because, you know, as you are working towards that aim, you might, you know, new information might come in and you realize that your aim maybe wasn't uh, totally perfect, so you're going to have to readjust and kind of keep on going. And I think the same thing can be said with purpose, you know, where when you first start out, it might be not very uh, obvious what your purpose is. In fact, it definitely won't be very obvious. So I think uh, maybe uh, just making the aim of finding your purpose might be kind of a good way to start to kind of, you know, it, it at least kind of motivates you to kind of get off the couch and start doing something um, to recognize that, you know, you weren't put on this planet just to sit here and suffer. You know, there are, there is more to your existence and, you know, what are you going to make of that? So it, it, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's it. I won't keep on going. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, for millennia, there's been largely in, in the Eastern teachings and philosophies this idea that people can transmute literally change themselves and find themselves in another reality. We live in a time where there are many, many ideas of such. People are aware of this to some extent or another. We have, um, we have, by and large, we poo-pooed a lot of them because they are, to put it simply, fantastical, where you have new age people who will say you need to focus on the love and light, the positive only. And uh, sure, they'll they'll say a lot of the right things, you know, making real connections with people, and they'll try and experiment with different things to invoke it or provoke this change into being a super a super being. We got another message just this week, actually, from someone. It's a very short message, but it was sent into thought. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of I think it's symptomatic of this wishful thinking approach to looking at this idea, let's call it. <clears throat> and it goes like this. I won't read his name out, saving the embarrassment. Um, I want to become a superhuman, but I live so far away and it probably costs a lot. I do not have the money to pay for it. I would like to know what all goes into it. Right. I mean, well, let's assume it's a genuine question because but it is on people's minds. No, you know? we should give some context to that. The, the article, he was responding oh, to the yes. article on that. He, he, there was a link to the article he had that inspired this question in him. It was U.S. Army super soldier, genetically modified humans <laughs> won't need food or sleep. 
So this is, well, okay. This is a guy who's who's read this article and thinks that we published it, or thinks that we think that we're offering this. Basically, we're some branch of the U.S. Army, <laughs> and that he can contact us and get in, you know, get a fast track into the super soldier program because he's like, I'm a bit bored and I'd like to be superhuman, you know. So, what do I need to do, you know? Where do I apply? <laughs> so, <laughs> guy doesn't, you know, yeah. But uh, but it's interesting that he picks up, he gets that from an article based on U.S. military research, whether right. it's real or whatever, because that is the kind of thing, the men and goats stuff mm. that goes on. Men and mm-hmm. goats. Because that's the kind of thing that goes on in certain circles mm. among the elite. Mm-hmm. They are extremely interested in this idea of a transmutation or transformation or how, how the basic question, how far can the human mind evolve? Superhumans, yeah. Superhumans. Yeah. Um, we... We have a we have a caller here on the line. It's uh, Mitchell from Atlanta. Hi, Mitchell. Hi. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Not too bad. How's yourself? Hi, Mitchell. Oh, good. Thank you. Good. 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 I was listening to your lovely uh, your, your radio show, and I was very uh, interested and intrigued about the purpose and the meaning, and how to do something to stop the madness uh, of our planet and the horrors of life that are going on right now. And at 21, about 14 years ago, I really looked myself in the mirror as a young man studying business and going along with the, with the flow in the matrix, as we call it, and contemplating what I could do to stop some of the madness or be a part of a movement like yourselves to try and expose a lot of the evil in this world. And what I got myself involved in and dedicated uh, two was to expose the Communist Party in China's brutal persecution of an innocent spiritual movement called the Falun Gong. I don't know if you've ever heard of this movement. Yeah. And we I've have, dedicated, yeah. yeah, I've dedicated 14 years of my life to expose the forced organ harvesting of now several million of these innocent spiritual practitioners who have just been sent to death camps since 1999. Their organs cut out of their bodies while, while alive. So the organs sold and the bodies burned in the crematories. And this has become the most, one of the most serious human rights violations in modern history. And just working to expose something that is evil brings a great value to human life that has, that has brought a great value to my life instead of just making money going around and being successful and nothing I, I can't take anything away from from people who are successful in money and business but I chose as a human being as a young man now I'm 36 that was that was almost 15 years ago to live a life of purpose you know bob marley says said that if my life was for the money and the power and for myself i wouldn't want to live it it has to be for the people so i started uh, stoporganharvesting.org i got myself involved in exposing this horrendous atrocity that really hasn't been exposed on the mainstream media so i just wanted to thank you for allowing me to share what i've been involved with uh to at least stop the madness uh, uh, and the horrors of, of, of this terrible human life that has been lost in, in communist China with the Falun Gong. Okay, Mitchell. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Thank you. God bless. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Well, this is one thing we, we, we can address. I mean, the 
answering the question, what is, what is purpose? Mm-hmm. For the most part, people will invest their energy in finding a cause to help where they think they can. Be it helping people in Gaza, in China, in the homeless in the U.S., wherever it might be, um, just to just just to distinguish though our I mean our philosophical basis is if you like it's so broad because we're thinking okay so you want to help people over there and and you do your bit to help but in the meantime this wave of misery grows ever taller coming from all other directions drowning out any any one good any one cause any any good that can be caused right it, it, for any one direction, mm-hmm. and 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 so the the, the philosophical distinction is he, uh, Mitchell used the term doing my bit to stop the madness. Mm. We mm. this might be a bit shocking to him, but we're actually not interested in a way in quote stopping mm. the madness mm-hmm. because we've realized, or well, as we believe it, it cannot be stopped. Right, uh, using our unicorn mm. and bull analogy, uh, mm. the purpose of life is suffering, uh, and you suffer for as long as you need to suffer until you learn how not to. You learn that the unicorn is, is a raging bull. Mm-hmm. And then you don't suffer. It's in your hands. Now, this goes for many other groups, but in the case of Falun Gong members, get the hell out of there. You know, don't stand on principle. It's much broader than that. It's not about your principles. If, it, if it's not possible for you to follow your, your spiritual practices in China, then leave. If it means you're going to be, be, be captured and, and, you know, tortured, etc., then leave. You know, that's where you learn that it's not mm-hmm. just about your own particular subjective view of what spirituality is and practicing your own religion. It's not about taking a stand. People have, t- have taken a stand repeatedly in the, in, in the history of, of human civilization and paid the price for it. No, we're not saying that you shouldn't take a stand. What we're saying is that you can learn from people who have taken a stand and learn about the nature of this world and learn the fact that there is no changing it, that human life is fundamentally based on largely on suffering. Everybody suffers to some extent in their lives. Some people suffer greatly. There's reasons for that. And it's figuring out those reasons and figuring out uh, why you should, uh, or what you should do, do about it. I mean, it's a personal choice, you know? So, I mean, changing the world, we're not about changing the world is what you're really mm. uh, saying. We're not, we don't think this world should or can be fixed. What we're talking about is mm. embodying and making real the values of possibly another world, because it's not this world. Mm. We've accepted that it's not this world, but we live and embody the values of another world, or we try to. And what happens after that? We can't be sure. We have some ideas, have some theories, some some spiritual concepts around it, but we can't be sure. But the point is, we would do it anyway, because it's about accepting and recognizing reality for what it is, and living a life mm-hmm. that is as uh, as loving and compassionate and truly human uh, uh, to the best uh, human beings can be, doing that to, to a large extent possible. possible. And, uh, yeah, so hang on, we got another call. Uh, this is Tom Chambers. Hi, Tom, how you doing? Hi, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Hi. Um, well, yeah, it's funny you kind of just, just in the last couple of minutes there while I was holding, you kind of went over the sort of things I was going to mention myself. Um, Same again. What it, what it pertained to. Um, 
and and to do with what the last caller was talking about as well, um, in that I think part of the despair that that comes from what we we see around us can can be rooted in a feeling of of powerlessness and and helplessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, when you lose the illusions of what you've been brought up to believe and and what you took as reality. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe when you had those illusions, everything felt safe um, or comfortable. Uh, when those are gone, everything feels unsafe. Everything's the world's a, right. a scary place. Um, uh, but you know, you, you, when you were t- just talking there about like what you can embody as a person, what uh, you know, in one way of looking at it, it's kind of Jungian archetypes, you know, and embodying, uh, you know, goodness rather than badness, or, um, you can, I, I suppose my main point is, you can look around at the the grand picture um, of what's happening around the world and think, wow, you, you, there's absolutely nothing I can do about this, um, and that can grind you down, but just the, the things, if you if you can make the choice to decide, well, I personally, I'm 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 going to do what I can in my in in what I do have contact with in my daily life uh, to try to do the right thing in every situation, um, and then whatever happens in the in the grand scheme of things and in the long term, if you, if you've done that, then I mean the, the the previous caller. Wow, what what a great example of actually being able to do something and make a difference that is on a grand scale. But yeah, if you can just make a difference to a neighbour who you bump into and they need your help, or you, you know uh, what you do in your in your job um, from day to day, if if you can just not lose your temper in a in a difficult situation or something like that, then you are doing something, you are making a difference and yeah, we might not be able to change the world for the better in the in the grand scheme, but we might be able to do something useful every day for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, it's on the basic things as well and that's that comes down to the idea of just being a, a being the best kind of uh, human being that you can be, and I mean, human beings are what they're fundamentally cooperative, uh, mm. you know, beings. Essentially, they're individuals. Uh, you're meant to cooperate. They, people get most satisfaction out of cooperating. Uh, but how can people cooperate if they're all uh, deliberately divided against each other mm-hmm. with ridiculous mm. ideological and political theories? You know, and that's done specifically to stop people really forming any kind of united. Uh, United Front, really, and and maybe that's why it's so effective when people of, of a like mind do get together and start talking. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Well, that's that's about it. That's what I wanted to contribute. Okay, Tom, thanks a million. Thank for you for th- thanks hope for the show, guys. I hope we'll hear from you soon again. Cheers. Good right, to hear you. Bye, Tom. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think, think TC makes a, a really good point there. Um, you know, I was just actually watching uh, a clip from RT, 
and they were talking about um, how there's this kind of big scandal in the UK right now where uh, a study came out that found that um, charitable organizations, um, you know, they listed all these different charitable organizations that were actually spending less than 50% on what they uh, are collecting from people um, to the actual cause. That, you know, so much of this other right. money is going to, uh, you know, salaries or uh, media promotion or whatever the case may be. Um, and it just made me think of, you know, what an opiate a lot of these kind of causes are. You know, mm -hmm. it kind of takes, it, it's a real exploitive uh, thing to do because it takes people's natural tendency to want to help. And it, it diverts it into these, you know, black holes, essentially, where, uh, you know, you, you, you see this, this horrible uh, thing going on in the world, you, you naturally want to help in some way, and you're like, oh, here's this organization that's helping. I'm going to, you know, give some money to them. But then so little of your money is actually going to, to help anything, and there's also the question of what they're actually doing with that money and what their, their, uh, their reason for being actually is. Uh, you know, it makes me think of, uh, of the whole Bill Gates Foundation, and there's controversy around that right now because he, he's dedicated himself to uh, coming up with a vaccine for malaria because malaria, you know, hurts so many people around the planet. And, you know, there's this controversy because he's basically teamed up with uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, who, you know, stand to profit off of it. You know, it's not a char charitable organization at all. It's a way for him to kind of divert money into pharmaceutical corporations, which, you know, we all need. They, we all know they need a lot more money. But uh, it's, it's right. just it, it makes me realize, like, how important it is to kind of, you know, to, to be aware you know, not just to try and mitigate this feeling that you're having of wanting to help in some way and, like, you know, kind of uh, anesthetize yourself to uh, the bad feelings about what you're seeing around the world by, by just kind of throwing some money at a cause. Um, and it really takes a lot of effort to kind of find out what is worth your while and what you want to put your energy into. Right. Yeah, very important point. And uh, it's interesting you mentioned Bill Gates teaming up with GlaxoSmithKline to... Uh, just you know, to eradicate malaria, come up with a new vaccine because I think it was the previous uh, C CEO of GlaxoSmithKline admitted publicly it was in the Guardian that only 50% of their drugs work. And he knows that, <laughs> and I think, I think he was being a, generous. That's a generous estimate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but talking about drugs and stuff, uh, this is another important aspect of dealing with being able to deal with the the crappy state of the world. And being able to see it in the right context and be able to, to keep your keep as the title of our show is to to stay sane while all the madness is, is prevailing around us. Um a lot of people I mean, maybe Tiff, uh you, you could talk a little bit about just uh uh the kind of health problems or, you know, toxicity or whatever that that the state of people's health health today uh, and and how that may actually uh uh, be a, a problem or may even provoke kind of depressions and, and feelings of, you know, doom and gloom. And well, well are, are you talking about uh, street drugs or legal drugs? I mean, well, yeah, street, yeah, well, both really. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I guess marijuana is a hot topic now. I mean, it has some therapeutic properties, but now there's a lot of states that are legalizing recreational use of marijuana. And I think a lot of that is, I don't know, maybe it's a ploy by the elites to keep people just placated and, you know, kind of dumbed down and calm um, so they don't really notice what's really going on in the world. But 
speaking of um, prescription drugs, I mean, like the the, the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline said that only 50% of the drugs work, and I think that's generous too. Not only do they not work, they also cause a lot of harm and a lot of toxicity, a lot of side mm-hmm. effects. I mean, you read in the the uh, package inserts that come with any kind of drug, there's just a laundry list, <clears throat> a laundry list of side effects that you go through just to take, you know, some drug that will help your blood pressure or, you know, stop you from having migraine headaches or any kind of health issue that you're having. When a lot of these things can be addressed just through diet, and I think that's where knowledge comes in, like um, seeing the world for for what it really is also means seeing through the lies that um, that surround nutrition and health. I mean, there's so many of them out there. So, um, you know, focus on your diet. You know, adopt a good diet that human beings are well adapted to, that human beings have adapted eating for like the last 10,000 years. Uh, maybe you can avoid some of that toxicity that comes with drugs and um you can kind of clean your machine and get to a place where you can think a little bit clearer and you can deal with stress a lot better. So I think that goes a long way in staying sane in a crazy world. If your Mm -hmm. body is functioning optimally, you won't be distracted by sickness and stress and so much depression. I mean, some depression is going to come because the world really is crazy, but it, maybe it won't be as debilitating mm-hmm. if you if your machine is cleaned, you know, to the mm-hmm. best that it can be. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, you talk about machines and your body being clean and that enabling you to uh, to handle things a lot better, be a lot more balanced about things. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this, the, pe- most people out there are are eating a pretty. Uh, Maybe even some people listening are eating a pretty uh, unhealthy diet, and they don't even know about it, right? I mean, I mean, the standard mm-hmm. American diet is uh, full of. Uh, I mean, Doug, you can talk a little bit about this. Uh, full of um, mm-hmm. all sorts of toxins, hidden toxins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean that's definitely true. I mean, as soon as you start digging into this kind of thing, you'll be absolutely horrified at what's in the diet of the average uh, average person, you know, and and people who aren't kind of aware of this kind of thing, this stuff. They, they, it's just, it's so counterintuitive for an individual to think that food that is offered to them on a daily basis, like everything in their grocery store essentially, uh, could be having a harmful effect. You know, it's, it's very counterintuitive that you would have to be extremely aware and look at ingredients and even beyond ingredients, just the kind of toxic stuff that ends up in the food. Um, it, it's, it's enough to make you insane. And, you know, it, it's it's no wonder, like I hear people lamenting all the time. It's like, you know, well, how can I, you know, how, how can I possibly navigate all this, you know, for my children, you know, I work, you know, 40 hours a week and then I come home and I got to take care of the kids and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, what, what can I possibly do? I don't have time to research all this different stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really actually feel for people these days. I mean, you have to navigate the grocery store in the same way that, uh, you know, our hunter-gatherer ancestors would you know, navigate nature and knowing which plants are poisonous and which ones are good to eat. Um, so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Not to mention all the uh, environmental toxicity that we are exposed to on a regular basis too, including, you know, EMF radiation and heavy metals and, and all this kind of stuff. It's, uh, it, it, it's mind-boggling. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, getting back to the whole idea of purpose, um, you know, if you are kind of feeling um, this overwhelming depression um, at the state of the world, I mean, part of the first step is to figure out, you know, what is actually causing the depression. You know, it obviously some of it is going to be the state of the world. I mean, that, that's kind of a given. But, uh, you know, like Tiff was saying, how are you dealing with this depression? And are there things, are you toxic? Are there things in your diet, things in your environment that are actually affecting you and making you feel this depression or more overwhelmed than you necessarily would be if you were in a healthy state? So I think, you know, part of, part of your purpose is getting yourself into a position where you're not so affected by everything um, in your environment. And, you know, it, it, it's a, a big step just to recognize that the state of the environment and uh, your diet and all that kind of stuff is actually having a negative effect on you. But once you kind of right. get to that stage, you can kind of look at uh, in a little bit more detail um, what steps you can take. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, when you talk about this toxins in food and stuff, you're talking about them obviously compromising someone's immune system, depressing their immune system, and also that in itself leads to a kind of a, a change in brain chemicals that that would uh, mm-hmm. that probably would even lead to depression even on its own or can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it, 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 go ahead. Yeah, it's it's basically a maze, like a, you know, it's kind of like a thorny maze that needs to be navigated, and um, it's it's a challenge. Like, there's absolutely no question about it that this is something that uh, that requires a lot of effort. Um, mm-hmm. But thankfully, I mean, there are good sources of information out there, um, particularly SOT, the health and wellness section. You can check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are things. And the more, the more you kind of gather knowledge on these kinds of things, the more um, the steps to take uh, become a little bit easier. Uh, the more elucidated uh, the path actually is, the easier it is to walk. So, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it comes back to a little bit of, uh, of faith, you know, kind of having faith that the information that you're reading is correct um, and being willing to kind of take a chance and try and make these changes. Um, and Doug, would you say just given your kind of uh, your background in uh, health, uh, nutrition, uh, would you say that, uh, I mean, the idea that a lot of food that people eat that's, all, that's toxic for them, that isn't good for them, is also quite addictive and that maybe, um, yeah. uh, and that maybe any food... If you people should try giving up certain foods, uh, yeah, absolutely, and, and see how hard it is. And if it's really hard, it's probably not good for you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very true. One of the things you notice um, when you first give up things like grains, um, like gluten grains in particular, is that they have a very strong pull. Uh, sugar, same way. Um, you know, your your brain is kind of wired to uh, to kind of seek these things out. You get a, a dopamine hit off of um, eating something like sugar. Uh, so part of the knowledge that you need to gather is, is understanding that the, these things are addictive and that, you know, when you do uh, quit these sort of things and, and, and try eliminating things from your diet, um, you've got to recognize that, wait a second, this, this very strong pull towards these things aren't because I need these things, but because I'm addicted to them. And, you know, it, it, you can look at models of addiction for anything like drugs or, you know, uh, any kind of uh, behavior, you know, uh, constantly watching Netflix or the need to dis- dissociate in various ways. Um, you know, you get these, it, it, the model is all the same. You know, you take in the stimulus, it causes a, a dopamine rush, um, then the dopamine, you, you get a dopamine crash and you want more of it. 
um, and you feel the need to uh, get another hit in order to raise that uh, that dopamine level again. So um, having an understanding of that is also very important because then you can kind of recognize where you're at and why you're feeling the way you are. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. You said, I think that's uh, a good place to start when you are thinking about your purpose. You can start at something as basic as getting your diet together, getting your health together, so you don't feel as bad physically. Because we all know that if we're sick, you know, we don't really think straight. We kind of it's kind of like a black cloud just covers everything. So when mm-hmm. you start feeling better by changing your diet or, you know, getting rid of gluten or dairy or, you know, uh, sugar, any of those things, um, maybe you can think better and you can see, and then you'll, you know, maybe get a better idea of what your purpose is as you go, you know, down the road of life maybe. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just kind of recognizing, you know, uh, getting free from these kind of addictive tendencies that we all have. You know that they, recognizing that your brain actually is hooked on some of the stuff that you're you're doing on a regular basis. You know, getting free of that. You know, there's a huge increase in potential energy to do other things. And I think you're right, mm-hmm. Tiff. Like your 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 actual purpose will probably become a lot more clear at that point. And I always joke to myself, like, what's the point of being able to quote Gurdjieff if you've got like a porn demon sitting on your shoulder? Get rid of that. Yeah. And then maybe you can, you know, get into the more esoteric things. Yeah. Right. Deal with the basics first, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Indeed, yeah. And then, I mean, it's a foundational in the sense that um, we found that making adjustments in the diet, particularly in, in a tendency towards having a ketogenic diet, that is actually changing your body's basic fuel to ketones is already a large step in expanding your awareness, calming yourself, um, uh, developing, basically developing or beginning to feel for the first time emotions that have always been there but were never expressed properly or if they were expressed, they were expressed in destructive ways to yourself and to other people. Mm. Um, And it's also foundational in the sense that if you're sitting there going, what's my purpose? This is something you can reach out to because it's your body and there, there are things you can do immediately to start to change it, to start to apply the information that you hear about and it can have positive results. I mean, there's nothing like that kind of feedback for you to immediately start feeling better about yourself. You feel better because you're eating better. You feel better because you're, you're, you're feeling um, healthier emotions, and, but especially if you're doing it in in some way in concert with other people. I mean, this is why, I mean, our forum is like, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible place because it's grown so big, in, not just in terms of the number of people who interact on it, but by people sharing their experiences um, mm. and adding in, in, in more information that they find from other resources, it, uh, I was going to say, it, 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 I was going to say it makes it easier, but uh, it, 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 still, it still requires effort. It makes it easier in the sense that it's a bit like saying in, instead of having uh, a strict parent telling you what to do or if you were formerly religious, religious, having a God that would look over you and judge you if you did the wrong thing, 
No, you're doing, you're kind of, what's keeping you motivated is the knowledge that there are other people doing it with you. And and mm. it's amazing how when people let themselves down and then they come and they confess, oh God, I binged on XYZ last night. I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> They're confessing mm. as if the others are standing over them, you know, <laughs> with a cane like a school teacher. But that's not the case at all. <laughs> The reason they feel that confession is because you, your sense of an obligation, if you like, a responsibility to, to be well for others, that gives you purpose. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds basic, but it's actually it's amazing how strong that is. Um, mm-hmm. My purpose then is to be there. Even if I, don't, even if I haven't yet met these people and don't yet know them well, I feel a strong connection with them. I don't want to let them down. So I'm going to do this mm-hmm. for them. But you're not really. You're doing it for yourself. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say about, I mean, the thought that came up to me there was about the way modern society has effectively caused um, people's emotions, emotional expression to kind of be very atrophied or very very limited in terms of how... And, and that, that atrophying or, or limitation of people's emotional expression that it's kind of like, you know, you get... Uh, criticized for being emotional. And this is one of the reasons I think why women are uh, tend to be um, criticized for being overly emotional and stuff. That's usually by men, you know. Okay, some women might be overly emotional in a certain way, but generally speaking, women are, are, are given a, a hard time of this, but it's from the point of view of men, and for some reason men, <clears throat> especially in our patriarchal society, they're just, they're arguing, for, they're coming at that from the point of view of, of being rather limited and closed off in their own emotions. So yeah, uh, female emotions that, that are not so, or fe- women who are not so uh, limited in that way might look a bit uh, exaggerated to men. But uh, I think the, the the point is that I mean, Tiff mentioned uh, the prevalence of marijuana and stuff, and marijuana is a very effective uh, a drug for uh, suppressing your emotions. You know, and why would it be so? Uh, why would it be would it be would it al- almost be at a pandemic? Uh, level of use today, uh, mm. it seems to be because people are. <clears throat> I mean, you look at the state of the world; it's a horrible place that provokes some emotions. People don't like their emotions; they're they're taught they're they're not taught to freely express emotions or be in touch with emotions. So they they uh, they, they self medicate with marijuana and obviously with other types of uh, of, of of addictions. To, to all of it designed to kind of uh, keep emotions under wrap and stop people actually feeling. And that obviously creates, that, that contributes to the horrible state of the world because then nobody gives a shit, you know? Nobody cares anymore. Mm-hmm. People are much more invested in turning away from anything that would in any way disturb them or shock them, i.e. make them feel something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it so, kind of gets into, um, to, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I was just going to say it kind of gets into the whole... Um, Dabrowski um, material, where he talks about the the idea of positive disintegration, and that these negative emotions, you know, these, this depression and stuff, is actually a stepping stone to growth, um, right. and that because you know because you feel bad, um, people's tendency and and what's actually encouraged in the media and things to not is to not have these emotions. It's almost like the they're a burden. So um, you medicate in various ways, but be it with uh, pharmaceuticals or recreational drugs or um, dissociations of various kinds, rather than actually working through the depression and actually using it as that stepping stone to growth. 
So the fact that, like you're saying, it, 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 our modern society seems to discourage the expression of, uh, of emotion, uh, and that just forces people to kind of channel these things, well, not even channel them, but suppress them in, in various ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was. I just want to make one comment. Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, well, it's interesting. I think that the gut is pretty strongly connected to our brain. And I was really surprised when I was reading about the diet and health in general to know how how food can simply control our emotions or thoughts. So even though we might be thinking, oh, I have decided to think about this, but is it really that you decided or just your physiology mm-hmm. that makes you mm-hmm. see things through a certain uh, lens or, mm-hmm. you know. And if if we think about their governments, you know, they're controlling our minds by spreading lies and telling us what we should think about certain people. At the same time, they're basically putting us in a physical prison by feeding us uh, really bad food that affects our minds in another way. So basically, we're in some kind of a prison. And, I mean, if if you think about it, if if our government's allowed to have restaurants, so-called restaurants called McDonald's and 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 the others, I mean, you'd have to think about if they care so much about us that they allow that, why would they care about telling the truth right. to us? So it's, it's it's obvious if you look at the facts that they don't really care about us. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you look, it's almost the way you describe it there. It's almost like they're... The you know the the industry the government controlled or the government funded or government supported industry food industry mm-hmm. is feeding people types of food that will almost make them more compliant or more yeah. make it easier for government to then catapult you know bullshit and lies into their brains and and have it accepted you know mm-hmm. so it, it mm-hmm. really starts to look like some kind of a bunch of cattle being uh, being kept uh, placated or something you know with some exactly. kind of uh, some kind of mm-hmm. in, you know, druggy, drug-laden food or something, so that they won't rebel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't see what's going on as they're heading towards uh, kind of the slaughterhouse or destruction or, you know, some nefarious mm-hmm. end for them. You know. So maybe brave part of the world. purpose would be. Sorry, Dad. I was just saying it's brave new world essentially. Yeah. Tricking yeah. the populace. Definitely. So yeah, maybe part of the purpose would be to try to get out of that prison. You know, first step, like you guys said, would be you know. Changing your diet and, you know, having your emotions in check and your feelings and your thoughts. And maybe it's, I don't know who said this, but it was um, uh, be in the matrix, live in the matrix, but don't be part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Learning to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um I don't know. I mean, I think our message here is that for people, getting back to the start of the show, and the, and the t- title of the show is that people who feel depressed and isolated uh, and lonely or whatever, you don't have to feel isolated and lonely. There is a, a process where you can you know, connect with other like-minded people and, and share that burden. Uh, and the depression part of it is a process. Uh, it shouldn't be too severe, uh, but obviously depression and, and you know, Thinking, seeing the world for the, as it is, is going to cause you uh, to be a bit depressed now and again. Um, but that can be alleviated by 
hooking up with other people who who, who understand and you know can share some insights and and just support each other. Um, but diet is very important in in making sure that that depression doesn't become something that's almost uh, kind of pathological or something that's you know that's an illness. Um, and also understand that it's a process of seeing the world as it is, and that as you face into it and learn about it and uh, acclimatize yourself to it, effectively accept it for what it is, then that's a doorway to seeing um, what what your purpose is uh, in terms of growing through that and accepting and becoming a, a more evolved, let's say, human being by 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 doing by going through that process and. And reprioritizing essentially because you know getting rid of your illusions and seeing um, not seeing life as some kind of uh, playground where you can go out and get your jollies at every moment, but rather it's a process that does involve struggle. But in that struggle, you become a, a better and stronger person, and more a more truly human human being. And in that idea, there is hope for the creation of a world. Let's say of some description were the values, your newfound values, or truly human human, human values uh, would prevail and would dictate the course of that world effectively. Uh, so that's the, you know, that requires a little bit of faith, let's say, but even without that end result, let's say, what else are you going to do? This is, this is a process. Uh, many people are, are faced with this process right now, and it's kind of, it's a kind of a, a get get busy living or get busy dying kind of situation. You know, it's there in front of you. You either deal with it or you don't, you know, and you're here to deal with it, obviously, because you're not here for no reason. So, you know, push on through and look for and get the kind of uh, support and help from like-minded people that is available. Mm-hmm. Amen, Brother Joseph. Uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> well, listen, I think we're going to leave it there for, for this week, folks, unless unless... Doug or Tiff, you want to add anything else, or you have any other thoughts? I had one quick thought. I don't know. Okay, two. Just just from from what you were saying, Joe, I think uh, another thing is also to look at that that it is a process, and that you know if we look at the whole idea of frequency and that we're trying to raise our frequency, you know, I think when people first come to this information, they have to realize that their frequency is quite low. And that, uh, you know, the, the whole desire to kind of meet up with like-minded uh, people, it, you kind of, it's a process to kind of raise that frequency by doing things like dietary changes, by taking on uh, new knowledge, and that as your frequency raises, you will pro- kind of be attracted to other um, people of similar frequency. Maybe I'm getting a little too woo-woo there, but well, uh, well, I think, uh, I, I think them. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking, too. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you first encounter this and it's, it's such a shock to the system and, and your, your, your first thought is, oh, my God, I'm alone. Um, but I mean, you know, through the process, I think that, you know, you will be kind of naturally attracted to these groups of people who are doing similar work. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, have hope, I guess, is what it what it comes down to. Right. And Tiff? And expect to fail sometimes. I mean, none of us are perfect. Mm. We all fall down and we stumble and we get back up. But the most important thing is concerted effort over time. Right. And eventually, you know, you, you you will meet with people who share the mm-hmm. same beliefs that you do. Or you uh, you will get some of the answers that you seek. You might not get all the answers, but if you look back after years of, searching and questing and, you know, trying to separate the truth from the lies, 
you'll notice that you've you've come a certain way, a certain distance, and you're a lot better off than you were years right. before. And I think it's it's the choice that matters. You know, every moment mm-hmm. we're presented with a choice, we can choose A or B or C, and you just have to learn enough to know and apply what you know to yourself. You have to learn enough to know, you know, what's the best choice at this time, and is this choice right. going to help me further my aim? Right. Exactly. And keep making that choice and are trying to make that choice. And if you yeah. fail, no big deal, make it again the next day. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not being judged here. It's not a it's not a race or anything. And uh, but just mm-hmm. keep plugging away, and that takes courage. And and like we're saying, you know, there are other people following the same path, and you can you can get courage and strength from each other. You know, I mean, that's one of the most important things is that uh, it's, it's it's sharing that load. You know, you don't have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. Well, well, we've come to the end of our show, but um, we'll be returning to this topic probably more regularly, or we'll infuse it into our regular behind-the-headlines yeah. topics. I mean, there's no need, reason not to. Yeah, I It's mean, all connected, it as is. we said over and over. Toxic world, toxic bodies, toxic minds, toxic emotions. How to detoxify it. Yeah. Starting with yourself. And I believe also Doug and Tiff and the health and wellness guys, well, they've been addressing this topic yeah. here and there, and they're going to be doing another show on this yeah. next week. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah we'll Friday be doing it Friday. Okay. Yeah. So tune in Friday um, for, for for more on this. And, you know, I was going to say the last thing, one of the last things was, um, or as a last thing, I was going to say that it's, uh, you don't really have much to lose. And that's one of the benefits mm-hmm. of looking at the world and the, and the horrible state of the world around you. You know, your home is being destroyed by psychopaths and power. So, and you know, maybe it wasn't your home really anyway in that sense. And maybe there's somewhere else that's, that's a better fit. So, uh, you know, you can have faith in that process. And really, you know, it's difficult, but uh, we're all doing it. To be- we're all doing it together. Don't don't forget that there are other people, a lot of other people involved in the same process and, and engaged in the same struggles. And they understand. And understanding is probably the best uh, best thing you can get for. For, for wherever you're at in terms of, uh, of that process and um, having whatever difficulties, there's someone who's been there, uh, probably a lot of people have been there and can understand. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what most people are looking for is kind of to be understood and, um, you know, mutual understanding. So uh, it's available. So uh, don't lose hope. Anyway, uh, as I said, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Um, Doug and Tiff, thanks a million for, for coming on and sharing your your insights your knowledge with us. Yeah. Um, we'll have to do it again sometime. We'll start mixing and matching and getting everybody on everybody else's shows, you know, especially with our new, uh, especially with our new, uh, new format coming up where we're kind of go- going to be ditching, uh, ditching these losers of Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> because really, they haven't provided a very good service at all uh, uh, for the significant amount of money that we've been paying them. Uh, they're just a bunch of corporate money grabbers. So, um, am I going to get food for that? <laughs> All right, I'll retract that statement. We're seeing it on the way out the door, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> Quick, cancel this. Uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so we'll be on a new format at some point in the not too distant future. I mean, I shouldn't put on bridges yet. I might have to come back to Blog Talk Radio next week. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I have to ask our techie people about that. Please tell me. I haven't said something. I shouldn't have. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, 
Yes, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see uh, y'all uh, next week somewhere. We'll let you know. And as I say, as we said, uh, Doug and Tiff and and the other guys will be on next Friday, and then uh, Truth Truth Perspective on Saturday. Um, yeah. So until then, thanks again, guys, and thanks to our listeners and our chatters and our callers. And yeah. So we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everybody.